Greetings, 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 and welcome to my podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for, you know, coming here to support your girl. I greatly appreciate it. Much gratitude is extended to you from me and so on and so forth. If you could forward this to a friend, you know what I'm saying? Have them tap into this elevated conversation. You know, put this out there for you all to have more discussions and more, you know, just bring all of these points that I'm going to be bringing to you today. Let's have table talk with it. Okay, so... I'm coming to you all today to discuss a couple of topics. We're going to start with a book um, to kind of bridge everything together. The name of this book is going to be Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Okay, um, but before we actually get into that book, um, let me backtrack real quick. You know, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. We are going to start with a few... Uh, dates that I'd like to start with. 1849, the first state constitution in California extends property rights to women. Oh, (laughs) yeah, this is about to be about women. Okay, in case you didn't know, now you know. It's going to be about women, the mindset of the woman, how it cultivates realities, how it shapes the realities that we currently live in, and how ultimately women pretty much are like from my point of view well we won't get into that right now but just know that this whole conversation is going to be about women and yeah we're just going to move forward with that so 1870 the 15th amendment gave black men the right to vote shout out to my brothers for you know getting up there to vote but um you know we're just gonna keep track of that um 1849 Got it? Good. First state constitution in California extends property rights to women. 1870, black men get the right to vote. I love my brothers. 1919, the Senate finally passes the 19th Amendment and the ratification process begins. August 26, 1920. Three quarters of the state legislators ratify the 19th Amendment. American women win full voting rights. Okay, boom. So the women's suffrage here in America was roughly from around 1840, uh, 1849 to 1920, you know, as documented, give or take some years. I'm just throwing out some dates. I'll be a little bit more... Uh, punctual or accurate with those dates on a, on another podcast. Okay, so I just want you to just kind of follow that timeline. Black men who, who, who were enslaved in this country was allowed to vote before a white woman. I'm just going to say that, okay? But that same brother wasn't even allowed to hold that white woman's hand. But he can go cast a vote into a system that oppressed him, his family, took his kids, you know, separated his family years before that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you just look at how this whole system thing is set up, it really shows you how the the structure of brotherhood was implemented and thought about and, you know, just really brought together on a whole scheme of things before the evolution 
and the sisterhood was brought together by women. And I'm saying that simply because you had women, white women, not, not, you know, it's not, and it's not a black and white thing. I'm just saying you had women who were in higher statuses, majority of the time, white women at the time, who would gladly take a black woman from her home and she wouldn't breastfeed her own kids, but she would gladly take that mother's milk and, you know, have that nanny, have that black lady come in there and breastfeed her own kids. But ma'am, you still can't vote. Like, where is the sisterhood in all of this? There was none, okay? Because it was more so about, uh, you know, hierarchy. You know, my husband or my man, you know, carries this status, carries this title. And because my man or my husband or my whomever at the time you know, has this status by association, I therefore have the same amount of status. And therefore, you, you don't possess that. Okay, and I don't want to just, I don't want to go off on a tangent, go too far left, but let me just, you know, kind of keep going and get myself back focused here. So, next thing's next. All right, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump into this book topic. So, So, uh, Napoleon Hill in his book uh, is, you know, basically conversing um, in a portion of the book, not the entire book. In a portion of the book, he converses with whom some may consider the devil. And, I mean, he does call him the devil in the book. So, we'll just say it for what it is. He is conversing with the devil in the book. But the devil refers to be, um, prefers to be referred to as your majesty. I ain't calling no, nobody that, but, you know, that is what the devil prefers to be, um, you know, referred to as in the book. So, um, and I want you to think about as I list these, um, th the ways in which he engages with the, with the devil and some of the topics that I'm going to be listing, how it could effectively, directly affect a woman. So he asked him, what are the six most effective ways that you instill fear into people? And the devil gives him, you know, this exaggerated, you know, um, response. But the six that he lists are poverty, criticism, ill health, loss of love, old age, and death. Okay. So... And he says that the most effective are the first and the last, which are poverty and death. Okay, you give a woman poverty and you tell her about death, you know, poverty. You got your women, mothers, sisters, aunties who are living paycheck to paycheck. That's considered poverty. Okay, to me, that's poverty. And then you have death. Women who... Uh, you know, we all know that death is inevitable. However, we haven't really gone through all the necessary stages to secure ourselves for that, that transition in life. Okay, so that's where you get your people coming in to talk to you about, 
talk to you about life insurance and stuff, you know, and and more more so than likely, the woman is responsible for getting that life insurance policy for the family. You know what I'm saying? If, you know, if her mind's in the right place or, you know, she she has some prior knowledge to it because not a lot of people have knowledge about life insurance or they have knowledge they just don't give a damn you know what i'm saying they're like life insurance like i don't really need that like we'll do a fish fry and call it a day like that money gonna get raised or somebody getting you know again sent to the to the burner you know what i'm saying so not to the burner excuse me but so essentially these are the ones that he lists all right. And I just feel for me that for women, loss of love is huge and they play it in, in reality in front of us all the time. You know, loss of love. A woman gives birth to a child and boom, for some reason or another, she either cannot take that child home with her. That child is taken from her or she has to fight to to prove to a system or you know whomever that she has the right to take care of a child that she had for nine months carried for nine months actually let's be clear here (laughs) 50 um how long is a woman pregnant for a woman's gestation women carry a baby for I think it's uh, 42 weeks. I've been pregnant and I, I can't even answer this. Okay, like what? Pretty sure we are pregnant for 42 weeks. Yeah, we're going to let this music fill in this gap real quick. Okay, so boom, pulling it up, right? It says that a woman is pregnant for three trimesters, okay? Which is 266 days. 266 days. Which is about forty weeks or two hundred and eighty days, or okay, so we we get we getting a couple answers here. Forty weeks, two hundred and eighty days, um, thirty eight weeks normally. You know what I'm saying? But you know that extra two weeks, give or take. I carried my daughter past past um due date, which she was like six or seven days past due, almost a week past due. Um, my point is here, you know, women go through this loss of love. And when this loss of love occurs, oftentimes than not, that woman, although, you know, maybe it doesn't make the television screen, maybe it doesn't make you know, social media outlets, but that feeling of being separated from your child, 
first of all let's 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 scale this back just a little bit let's let's go back a little bit into this whole birthing process right and how the entire birthing process it is disrupted by eastern medicine to begin with so from the time that you find out or that a woman may find out that she is pregnant right um she goes through checkups she goes through you know invasive uh, you know vaginal searches you know like the cia is trying to find bin laden in her vagina sometimes you know like why i, I don't really know but it's invasive it's disruptive and if if you don't have a good OBGYN, OBGYN, then it can be a daunting process because not all the time is a woman completely educated on everything that is happening with her during her birthing process, right? So, you know, the woman finds out she's pregnant. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. You know, it just depends on where the woman is at in her life in her journey of life you know what i'm saying young mom new mom old mom you know what i'm saying we all going through different things or whatever so there's already that stigma of you putting your love on top like ain't no hiding no baby i mean some women can get away with hiding it but you push your baby out everybody know what you've been doing what you done did what's been happening behind that closed door is now out there for the world to s-e-e and i mean see it okay period because the baby's here we know what you done did all right so you know then that that's when that that whole stigma comes in oh you know you got to be pure you got to be saved sanctified holy make sure you have man married you know we've escaped that stigma already so good i'm not going to take us that far back but i am just going to keep on saying you know well during this whole birthing process when you finally do decide to give birth to your child if you go through eastern medicine and you decide to conceive your child in a hospital there we go back on track if you decide to conceive your child in a hospital setting then oftentimes than not you are not the first person in contact with your child okay the doctor may catch your baby the nurse whoever is there to catch it flop out your vagina that's who's catching your child and it breaks the spiritual connection between you and your child that you should actually have okay then the next thing as far as this goes is the cutting of the umbilical cord and then the antibiotics that are put onto the child's eyes upon them being born into the world. A lot of mothers don't know that the antibiotics that are put on a child's eyes, it stops the gazing process that you know a mother should have with her child, um, which develops a deep connection uh with b between mother and child it is very important that you know your child lock eyes with you touches your skin it is very important that that umbilical cord stays attached to that child for a multiple a multitude of reasons number one that umbilical cord is still sending vital nutrients between the mother between the placenta and the child you know, that placenta carries so many stem cells that regenerate, feed that baby good, 
um, nutrients and vitamins that the mother created within the womb that 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 baby needs but western medicine i mean uh, eastern medicine won't, won't tell you that you know it, it will not it will deprive you of thinking of the the naturalness of your birthing process okay so it is a it is a complete spiritual disruption in the birthing process and birthing ritual within the hospital setting that's that is exactly what it is it is a ritual to break down the connection between mother and child from birth okay and and that may sound a little oh she's reaching no i'm not reaching i'm not reaching this is the truth that's why so many women are going back into doing lotus births at home that is why so many women are continuing to find doulas and midwives because we are waking up and we are starting to see you know like this bond that I have with this person that I carry for nine months, you know, that's a strong bond. That is a forever bond. And that should be shared between me, me, my child, and my spouse on a very intimate level. I'm going to proceed, but, I, you know, it's th these are just some topics that I, they, they just, they resonate with my soul. And it's important for me to get them out. And I'm trying not to make this extremely too long. Uh, but... I really like this song by her. Like she really does her thing on this song. Like, can we talk about this? You know, she's just saying that we can have it all, and ladies, we can. Just, just keep that, keep that in your mind. But okay, so getting back on track here. Okay, so you know women we we have these babies we have these children and that connection is broken for some women not all women because it doesn't happen to all women thank god you know thank thank the universe thank our ancestors thank god that this does this doesn't happen to every woman but the women who it does happen to they are made an example of and then for certain women like Saisha Mikado, you know, thankfully this woman came out and she spoke about what was happening to her and her family because what if she just would have kept this a secret? You know, like she didn't share this story, you know, it wouldn't be out there. But putting these stories out on these mass platforms, it puts fear into another woman that this could potentially happen to her. Okay, instead of putting out the resolution, the the fear is the fear is activated in the mind. Oh, my gosh, look what's happening. You know, like this is generational. Um, this is this is trauma being passed down. They did this to us when we were slaves. You know, OK, yeah, they did do that to us while we were slaves. I wasn't a slave, but I'm just saying that is what happens to that is what goes through the mindsets of people. So that fear is, you know, triggered, boom, right there in the mind. The pain is felt immediately across women. You know what I'm saying? Like, we could feel her pain. If you're a woman, I know you feel her pain. You saw that, you immediately got pissed off. You're going to take her baby? Her baby that was happy and thriving because she didn't want to give her baby a B12 shot? Something that is meant to stop depression? First of all, that baby was not depressed. 
Okay, B12 shots are meant to give energy, stop depression, um, amongst a host of things. But those those two being, you know, some of the top two things. And don't don't come for me. I'm not a medical advisor, but I'm just saying I did a little search. A little search. Okay. And that's what popped up for that B12 shot. Okay, that baby the baby didn't need that, but never the mind. You know, we're going to keep pushing forward. So, women, you know, when we find out that this is occurring to another woman, it hurts. You know, it, it hurts collectively and we want to share the story and we want it, we want to get a resolution, you know, we seek the resolution in all of this. Well, what can we do to help? Uh, how how can we be of assistance? Okay. So, she ultimately, you know, puts this message out. And we all receive it. So, from there, we start to think about, okay, well... How can this how can this help us? You know, how how can we fight against this? And the question is, you know, the question should be for me for me is why did it even begin? Who who was able to delegate the fact that this woman was, you know, could could have to render her children to CPS? The frick? So, you know, that's one of those. Okay, so that that mindset of fear is stricken within us, right? And we're just going to get back to the book here because he then goes to say that for gaining control of the human mind, mass fear is used as one of the tactics. It was used in world world in the World War in 1914, and it was also used in the Economic Depression in 1929. Okay, so he says he used mass fear to bring about these two world turning turn points in history. So, if that type of fear is created and you know triggered in that many women's minds, you know, and women, we, a lot of people would agree that the woman is the teacher, the doctor, the nurse, you know, the food source. She is she she is at the epicenter of the universe that cultivates and creates a new mind. So if you place a woman that has that much power and you keep her under thumb and nail. You can't vote. You oh look, is that a, you can't vote. You you can't keep your kids. You can't catch your baby when it comes out. And on top of that, <laughs> after you have this baby, you only have six weeks. Like let's go there. You have six weeks to be with this newborn child. That's all we giving you is six weeks. 
to figure out how you gonna love and nurture and take care of this baby you know before you have to ship it off into the world of daycare good old daycare you know what i'm saying and before you do that you you have to get your baby shot so you have to allow somebody to stab your baby in your face and inflict pain upon your child you know how much that hurts moms when we have to take our children or if you're a mother who chose to vaccinate if you if you went that route how it pains you to see your baby cry even for that momentary moment because you think that you are doing something beneficial to assist your child so that your child does not get sick only for you to then come out and find that you know if if you skipped the vaccine in the hospital that once you start giving your child these vaccines that your child actually becomes a little bit more sicker or you know comes becomes sicker from the actual vaccines and you thinking oh it's just because my baby at daycare narcissist it's because you done started giving your baby aluminum formaldehyde <laughs> you've started injecting your child with heavy metals okay and it's affecting your child for me personally, my daughter didn't have a, 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 a eczema outbreak until one of her uh, shots that she got. She had a really high fever. Um, it was really it was scary for me, but uh, she had a really high fever. Her skin was just like breaking out all crazy. I didn't know what was going on. It was a re direct reaction to one of the um, shots that she got. Um, nevertheless, you know, I'm wiser now. But it just goes to show you how that is all played out. Okay. They only give you so much time to be with your brand new child. And that really had to set in for me. Like when I first had my child, uh, my, my daughter, I was I, I would consider myself young at the time of me giving birth to her. I was only 20, 23, 20, 23 or whatever. So I, I consider myself to be young when I gave birth to her. And, um, you know, she, I I went through the process of, no, I'm not, it's, it's going to be a minute before she go into daycare. You know, I tried, I did everything I could to prolong my stay at home with her. I, I took FMLA. I used up all of my PTO. So I was missing out on money. And I exhausted like everything that I could so I could just be home with her just that much longer because I was her main source of food. And that was had always been my goal. And luckily enough for me, I was able to produce enough milk uh, to where I, I could continue to be that source of food for her. But that initial point of taking her to a daycare you know, like, and it, no, I, I had no, I was in a relationship, but I didn't have any help with choosing a daycare or, you know, doing those necessary steps to, to make me feel comfortable. Even in choosing her a pediatrician, you know, it was, it was a, for me, a rather disappointing experience, you know, until I started to get the hang of things. But whew, I'm just saying the whole entire process of becoming and, and stepping into motherhood is hard. You really got to be built for this.
okay? Can't catch a baby. You give birth to your baby. Then it's, okay, we finna stab your baby. Finna close your baby eyes. Like, what? Then you home with your baby, right? You home, you chilling, you kicking it. Hey, six weeks, you got to get up, you got to get back to work, okay? We don't know what type of, you know, government assistance you thought you was about to be on. Not that that's a good thing, and I'm not trying to push that on nobody because that's not what this is about, period, okay? But, like, in some other continents, I'll say, women get a year, six months, Anything longer than six weeks, okay? Anything longer than six weeks to be with their children, to develop their children, okay? To nurture and care for, provide, and and give the proper raising and rendering of their children while they are still in those very early infantile stages. You sending your six-week-old baby to go be handled by some person who took an online course that took 40 hours for them to complete and they probably weren't even, you know, coherently sitting in the class or, you know, actively engaged in the class the entire time. Trust me, I went through great lengths to be with my child. I took a class. I know how it is. I've worked in a daycare center. I know the requirements are bare minimum. Okay, very bare minimum. Some of those places don't even require that you are certified anything to step into their door before you are before you can get to touch your your baby. I'm going to get into that conversation and I'm probably going to go ahead and cut this short because I feel like I went off on a tangent. But um, just think about some of those things and think about, you know, how how you can change, change that. You know, what what can we do as women to to secure to secure the minds of our children to secure the safety of our own selves because we go through these breaks you know what i'm saying we go through these these mind these mind changes well am i a good mother am i a bad mother if i if i take my child to, you know to daycare do i have enough support around me to bring this child in who can watch my child like our mind is constantly going and going and going and it, it, it becomes heartbreaking because we really don't, we don't have all the answers. And we have to put on a face in front for men who act like boys. Um, and, and, you know, we, we have to woman up. We, I see women all the time. First time moms, no dads around. And I ain't trying to make it no sad story because for whatever the reason, the relationship didn't work. The dad is no longer there. You know, we just give these brothers too much slack. Like, oh, yeah, he's not there. They just didn't work. You know, they weren't meant for each other. Maybe that is the case. Or maybe men out here having babies as initiation stages into becoming, thinking that's how you become a man. Another conversation for another day. Ooh, let me tell you, okay. These brothers, (laughs) some of them. No, I said I loved y'all in the beginning of this. Some of y'all is out here on that bullshit, okay? Clearly. But, um, yeah. 
You know, the woman, the mind is constantly under under attack. Because you question yourself every step of the way if what you're doing is, is it what a good mom would do? Would a good mom get her baby vaccinated? Would a good mom take her baby to a to to go back to work? Would a good mom just stay home and, and just be a stay at home mom and, and relinquish all of her, you know, all all of her activities that she she used to have, co-workers and engaging with other people to sacrifice being able to stay home and nurture and cultivate a mind and protect it essentially. And I see all of these hardworking women who go to work and they, and they do it every day. And their minds and their hearts are in places of, you know, I put my baby on the bus today. And they More than likely, they said a prayer. They sent their child off to school. They said a prayer. They prayed heavily through they ch- over their child through the night before, you know, whatever the time was. I don't think there's a moment in any mom's mind, a mom that cares, a real mom, of the well-being and safety of her children or child. I don't think that I don't think that never not crosses never not that that's improper as hell. I don't think that doesn't cross a mother's mind. Well, six months, six six weeks is a month, a month and two a month and two weeks, a month and two weeks. You telling me that my baby that's been here for thirty, what, thirty something days, forty? Can somebody get a calculator? Okay, a month is thirty days plus two weeks, fourteen, forty four days. You telling me? That my baby that's been here for 44 days got to go be around a whole bunch of strangers. I don't know. Y'all finna be wiping on my baby. Nah. Somebody finna. No. No, it's not right. And when we drop our children off, I cried all day at work. I was a hot, ugly mess. Okay. I was behind doors crying. I was working at a nursing home. I would go into a patient's room. I would get them ready. Um, I wasn't a CNA. I was a, okay, it doesn't really matter what I was, but I would go in there. I would go behind the door. I would just cry, just cry. I cried all day. It was, and then I was breastfeeding on top of that. So trying to figure out how to, you know, pump milk while I was at work and they didn't have a, a pumping place for me to pump. So me being who I was, okay, I, I went into my boss's office. She luckily allowed me to go in there because I had initially tried to shut down the whole whole little cafeteria, the, the break room. I was like, no, nah, I'm in here breast, you know, doing my breast pump thing because there's no way where for me to, you know, pump my milk or whatever. So, yeah, I'm going to pump this milk so my baby can have something to eat. And I'm going to go see her on my lunch break. And I know I said I was going to stop talking, but this this is just a passionate, passionate topic for me. And women just, you know, I feel as though it's it's more uh, intimate for us because we bond with this baby for that entire time. We get to know this being 
before before the doctors do. You know, the doctor does their checkup. It takes about 15, 20 minutes, you know, 30 minutes, depending on how much you talk inside the appointment. You know, they do their checkup and they're gone. You another number, another check, another write-off, you know, to for the insurance company. But we sleep, we eat, we develop a routine and a schedule. We recognize kicks, you know, certain flips in the belly, hours of movement. We bond with this baby. And if the the dad is there, then, you know, the dad feels the movements. You know, he may talk to the baby. You know, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful family bonding experience. You know, like, it's all love. It's all love. But the moment, like, the mind is just completely flabbergasted from you know the 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 actual time of birth okay you you give birth to your baby your baby is whisked away from you snip cut the cord boom take the baby to go get weighed measured you know uh i think they put the baby uh skin to skin with you then they take it to get weighed and all of that but it's it's so fast like it happens so fast, and for most of us, we up under epidurals. So for me, me sitting up here trying to even recount, you know, the exact uh, replay of how everything went in my in my delivery room, I don't even want to lie to you and say I could tell you everything. I could tell you pieces and parts, but baby, I was on the epidural. I was on good drugs, bad drugs, very bad drugs. I really could have went my whole entire thing without getting the epidural. I really could have. Like, I was doing really well. Uh, but the Pitocin that they gave me, it, it was just such a... Never mind, we're not going to get into my birthing process. So I'll probably save that for another day because I kind of want to just, you know, kind of cut this short. Because, yeah, it's almost... Anywho. Women, we are warriors through and true and I'm probably just going to go ahead and post this in its raw form although I probably should not but um yeah I'm working on these podcasts y'all y'all work with me okay it ain't top notch top notch uh level yet but it will be okay I I just really wanted to get this out there because I know I said I would do this um, speaking engagement on it. And I meant it because I I feel it 1000%. And I just know how much... I just know how much the feminine hurts. How many times I've had conversations with women about... Am I being a good mother? How Do you know how many times I've heard that a woman ask, is she being a good mother when she's doing her very best? And even at her very best, for, for all that she can do in that moment, she still questions if she is a good mother. You know, 
So, um, yeah, I'm going to just cut this short. And uh, just, just think about, you know, how you can stop spreading fear to another woman. Maybe you don't make that post. Maybe we just have this type of dialogue and see, well, this is where we can interject ourselves and make situations better. So, yeah, my child is like passing gas and stuff. So, yeah, I'm just going to go. Yeah, I'm just going to go. So, thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> Let me know what you think. I'll be posting this particular podcast only to a private certain group of people. Y'all let me know what you're thinking. (laughs) Okay, I'm really trying to get this whole podcast thing off the ground. And yeah, okay. So kick it with your girl. Love and light family. Blessings. Said it off with you. I said it off with you. I barely took.